scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila in the left circle. Passing to Yellow Shot. Save made by Al Aguila. Three rebound, another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk. Starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg. All right, let's get it going on a busy and important day for the Calgary Flames. Welcome to the Scotiabank Saddledome and welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge as the Flames have made it official. Just the eighth man in franchise history to be the full-time general manager of the Flames. His name is Craig Conroy, promoted from assistant general manager officially on this Tuesday, uh, which I guess meant that the worst-kept secret in all of Calgary was finally out of the bag. I think it's a deserving promotion. I think it's a great hire for the Flames. I think they got this one right, and we'll be diving into that for the next hour here on the program. Flames Talks available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast a little bit later on we'll dive into some of the things that i really thought jumped out to me from craig conroy's introductory news conference but before we do that let's kick off this hour by saying hello to our nhl insider frank saravalli he's brought to you by self trail chrysler with inventory shortages across the city it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash visit selftrailchrysler.com and frank joins us now from daily faceoff and dailyfaceoff.com to kick off this hour mr saravalli how are you Pretty good. How are you, Pat? I'm doing well, and uh, it's good to talk to you on a big news day. It seems like yeah. we uh, get you either on a big news day or the day after a big news day these uh, th- this summer so far. Just, uh, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, we've known this is going to be the case for some time. You even go back to last week. I know you were kind of saying if I was a betting man, which I am, this would be the favorite. And, and here is Craig Conroy officially introduced as general manager of the Calgary Flames. Just uh, your thoughts, anything that jumped out at you, anything that uh, uh kind of struck you even leading into this announcement on Tuesday morning. Yeah, I'll echo what you said and just how massive of a day this is for the Calgary Flames. And I think on so many levels, um, they needed to get this right. And I, you know, only time will be able to tell uh, what, you know, the end result is. This is a, anytime there's a GM change, you know, everyone is sort of excited with anticipation to see what comes next. From just a pure hockey perspective, this is like essentially uh, somewhere between a 500 to $700 million decision that you've made today. And it sounds funny to put it in those terms, but that's usually over the lifespan of a GM's term as, as manager, the, the total dollars in contracts that'll be doled out by that person. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's make or break for your franchise. You're either going to set yourself up for, you know, the next number of years and, and have a chance to, to compete for a Stanley cup, or, you know, you're basically laying the groundwork for someone that's going to have their work need to be dismantled at the end of it. There's no kind of in between. And that's, you know, a fascinating juncture that the Flames have arrived in just from a 30,000 foot view. Now to the person specifically, I just, I guess the only surprise for me is that 
Craig Conroy wasn't outright named the GM right as soon as Don Maloney was named president of Hockey Ops. Right. And I don't know the reason why, but I really liked Craig Conroy's explanation today when he said, I'm glad there was a process. I'm glad that I wasn't sort of, he didn't use the words anointed, but the sense that they went through and worked through the entire thing and still landed with him anyway, I think that leaves him feeling really good. It leaves the Flames ownership feeling really good and also probably leaves the market and fan base in general feeling good about the direction this team's heading because, you know, he checks just about every box that you possibly could in terms of what you're looking for and the familiarity with the market, with the ownership group and how it works, Mm -hmm. all the machinations of what goes on in CSEC, he gets it. And I I think for this job, maybe more than some others, it's critically important. What, and it's funny, you, you, you mentioned the day one when we found out that Brad Living was not going to be coming back and they introduced Don Maloney as president of Hockey Operations. Does, and does them going through the process they did, talking to 35 people and then getting it down to four finalists and eventually... It's an absurd number, by the way. It's a really high number. Uh, at least, at least my, at least my ballpark was in range when we talked last week. I was pretty happy. You, you said twenty-five to forty, and my jaw was on the floor. There, I, I can, I can shed a little more light for you. Yeah, before you ask me. Ab- absolutely. Uh, I, I, I think they, they had exploratory conversations with, you know, people that you, you would, would not even really register on, on your radar or mine, agents. Uh, analytics folks, uh, you, you know, you name it, business leaders that have been in the hockey space, whatever it may be, someone that, you know, non-traditional manager. Uh, I bet you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a head coach that he, he checked in with, you know, not current, but former. Right. Like the the net was, was cast wide and not all of them were authentic candidates and or interviews, but I think the important part is that, and I can tell you that there's a couple other teams that are doing this right now with either their coaching search or their GM search. They're in fact-finding mode. Right. What What do people think about our team? What would you do if it was you? And how do you view this team in the overall landscape of the market? That, I think, is all critical information that you can only get by talking to people. Well, and by going through that process, and that's that's really interesting because I, I think that's a, a really important thing to add is that I think part of the, the whole process was just that fact-finding and speaking to other people. People can absolutely help you get to your right decision ultimately, which they believe is, Craig, after, after this process. And by going through a pretty exhaustive process and speaking to as many people as they did and still going with their internal guy and still going with Craig Conroy, even on the outside, I would imagine that would really bolster him in his spot as opposed to, as you use the word, just being anointed a day after the former GM walks away. I mean, we would have arrived at this point a lot sooner. For sure. Meaning like Craig Conroy could have already gotten to work and maybe checked a few things off of his list. But I guess the real question is whatever information that the Flames gathered, will they actually take it to heart? Or was it just lip service? And was it, 
you know, essentially going through the motions to get to the person that they ultimately, I think, had right. circled before this all began. That's what's really important. Because, like, you can you can conduct a search and people can talk your ear off and you can scribble down all the notes you want. If you're not actually taking it seriously, which I, I don't have any indication they are, but if you're not going to implement some of the thoughts that people have about your organization, then it's not really any good anyway. Right. What... Uh... What's your what's your read on them bringing Dave Nonis into the fold as well? Well, obviously, there's the connection there with Dave Nonis and Bob Murray going back to Anaheim. Bob Murray still serving as an advisor to this team. Um, look, he's been the general manager in two Canadian markets. Uh, there's only seven, and for a stretch that he did it, there was only six. Uh, so that's that's impressive in and of itself. Um, I think he's going to be a, a guiding voice and, and light for Craig Conroy as he navigates this for the first time. Craig Conroy doesn't have all the answers. And I think what's great about Craig Conroy is he'll tell you that he doesn't. Right. And he knows what his weaknesses are and what his strengths are. He sort of referenced some of those. He's not a cap guru. He's not a... Um, you know, whatever it might be, he's not a, a lead, you know, coaching expert or whatever, whatever it is that's not in his wheelhouse. He knows it and he doesn't try and pretend. And so I think the best thing is find what you're really good at. What's your calling card? And I think one of them for Craig Conroy is to be this team's chief talent evaluator. I think that's so critically important is to get those decisions right. Whether it's at the draft table, whether it's making trades and transactions, like, he referenced it today. He said, I'm going to make mistakes. He said, what I'm really going to try and do is limit the number of mistakes that I make. And I thought that was so refreshing to hear someone reference that right off the top. Like, this is not an exact science. When you are handing out 500 or $600 million in money, it's not always all going to go to the right place mm -hmm. and the right person. And the, the more you can minimize those mistakes that you have, the better off you are. And when you surround yourself with people that you're going to collaborate with, which I believe Craig Conroy will, um, and that's one of the true strengths and facets of his ability to manage and lead is to be a good communicator that a lot of times, you know, you end up with a really healthy debate and conversation that I don't think it was missing at any point during Brad Tree Living's tenure, but I think is missing in a lot of organizations because you end up getting surrounded by yes men that just sit there and nod while you talk. Right. What uh, What's your read on the head coaching hire, which is, I guess, piece of business number one for Craig now that he officially takes over as GM? What are you hearing? What's kind of your lay of the land there? Well, that's the real critical hire now, right? Like, you, that's one thing um, for all the good that Brad Tree Living did. He was never really able to get right except for one year of Daryl Sutter. Got to get the coach right. It's yep. something that's plagued this, this Flames franchise for a long time. Look how many they've been through in the last decade. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. I'd say it's a, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but a lot more than many other organizations. Um, so get it right and – and breathe some fresh air in, which I think he already, like, to me, he gave you such a big hint today. We're, we're willing to make changes, and he said not necessarily to our core, but 
we're going to be bringing in young players and the message that he gave the guys on the Wranglers come ready to work, show up to training camp, ready to go. Cause there's going to be spots available. Ding, ding, ding. Sounds like Mitch love to me. Like it sounds like they want a coach that not only is in house as the two time AHL coach of the year, but how many people in the league were going to understand the flames prospects better than him? Not very many. Yeah. So I like, with all due respect to some of the other candidates that are going to be talked about and the search that's going to take place. Cause I'd imagine so much of it's going to happen similarly to what happened with Craig Conroy with the search seems like they have a great one in house and they're going to then now spend the next chunk of time trying to essentially prove their hypothesis. Can I ask you about Mitch specifically? He's, he's developed a strong reputation in this market as you'd expect. What, what have you heard about Mitch's reputation around the NHL? As in, if he doesn't get a head coaching job or doesn't stay with the Flames organization for whatever reason, like, are, is that going to be because there's NHL interest around the league? Um, I think there is. I mean, look, anytime you, you win two awards like that in a short period of time, like people are going to notice. Uh, they're also noticing the consistency and success of the Wranglers and a tip of the cap to Brad Pascal as well for the yep. work that he's done there. But um, like, I, I do think his stock has risen significantly. Is it, you know, sky high can't miss if he doesn't get this job in Calgary that someone else is going to hire him this summer. I don't know that it's that high, but I think the point is when you're the flames and you have a talent like that in your organization, the last thing you want to do is see that person be successful somewhere else. Yep. And I, you know, I can give you an example, like uh, what, like uh, just a player tangible example. If you're watching the conference final and Ryan Lomberg, he's in the flames organization. Mm -hmm. The flames signed him as an undrafted pick, uh, an undrafted player. And look at him now. Like he gets, he plays in the flames minor league system for five years. That sounds and right. And then plays 11 NHL games. He goes somewhere else and now is, Oh wait, exactly the type of depth player that the Calgary flames could use. You don't, you don't want to have that happen too many times if yeah. you can avoid it. Yeah. Cause you, you spin your wheels trying to find that next person that you had all along. Yeah. And when you think of guys like, Phillips or Peltier or whoever it may be all in different circumstances and situations like don't let that opportunity pass by without at least finding out for yourself not to say any of them are going to become a hall of famer but like you don't want to have the next Marty St. Louis happen where you had him right in the palm of your hand yep what uh speaking of players and, and whether it be what you heard from Craig today, because he talked uh, a number of times about those seven guys who will all be entering the final years of contracts. He spoke uh, and was, was asked specifically about Elias Lindholm. Just what, what's your read on where some of those guys are or may be and, and kind of what the read on what the future might look like for some of those pending UFAs at the end of next season? I, I'd love to give you a read. I, I think it's still too early. Uh, it's May 23rd. We're just past Victoria Day. We're getting into Memorial Day in the U.S. And Ooh, Victoria Day. Well done, Frank. Good job. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always celebrate the dead queens. I mean, why <laughs> wouldn't you as an American? Um, 
but you you know like I, I think it's a little premature like Craig Conroy is in like literally day one of his tenure so he's gonna begin to sort that out and so much of it depends on those guys I think even less than the you know more than the flames I should say you know the flames I, I think at some point with with most of these guys, there's going to be real significant interest to bring them back. And I think the conversation changed in such a significant way once Daryl Sutter was cut loose that yeah, I just kind of, I don't want to say it becomes easy because it's never easy, but Elias Lindholm, like, again, if he's not in Calgary, like he's, he's going to be commanding a pretty significant payday elsewhere. And I think if the mission and mandate is for this team to compete and get back in the playoffs next season, I just have a hard time seeing a path of them doing that without him. Is that, uh, whether it's here or elsewhere, is that number for Lindholm, is is Bo Horvat the right comparable there? Um, that That's one that's been thrown around a few times, so it just, it just popped into my mind right now. I thought I'd bounce it off you. I So without thinking about Bo Horvat, like if you just like, like let's say like you and I were, were having a beer and you said, give me the first number that comes to mind when you hear Elias Lindholm on the open market. Like the first thing that I think of is snowman eight. Okay. So I don't know if that's like eight, five or if it's eight flat or whatever it is. Like, and I don't know how many years, but like I'm thinking AAV, that's the first sort of gut visceral reaction that I have. Um, But I don't, I'd have to really, you know, dig in and see what the numbers look like. Just, I, I think, you know, like you have to look at Dylan Larkin probably too. Yeah, and, and a little unfair for me to throw contract comparables at you without you having... So Lindholm's uh, a little older. Yeah. He's a more complete player, I think, than both, with all due respect. Has the Selkie, you know, conversation and has some monster seasons when he plays with the right people. Yep. Yeah, and... So, and- Eight's kind you of see number Larkin's that... at eight seven. Yeah, you see where where Horvat is, and then you look at Lindholm and you say, "Hmm, I don't know." Yeah, neither one of those guys have ever hit forty goals. Lindholm did. Yep. Yeah, and kind of eight eight and a half is kind of the number that's been kicked around. At least the the number that any time I'm asked about it is kind of where I go right to as well. So uh... I think it's just in 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 a thirty second search. It, the number is probably closer to nine than it is eight. Although you do have to factor in that he's a tad older than those two. Yeah. But it's, I think it's closer to nine than eight. Okay. Frank Saravalli's with us. Does that get you nervous as a Flames fan or does that sound about right? Or does that. I think probably both, honestly. Um, and, and for me, if, if the way I'm looking at it is, yeah, does it get you nervous? Because, yeah, when you sign guys who are 28 years old to seven, eight-year contracts at those type of dollar figures, yeah, I think definitely can make you nervous sometimes. But for a team that has been starved for center icemen like this organization has been for two or three decades, and to then have one that you, I don't want to say stumbled across, but I don't know if when they acquired Elias Lindholm in the summer of 2018. They were not thinking this. Exactly. So you found this guy. You finally have a number one center. Do you want to spend the next 5, 10, 15 years looking for him, or do you want to sign him and make sure he stays? Now, that's not completely up to the flames, but that's that's the way I look 
look at it. So if it's 8-7, if it's 9, I'm fine with that myself. I don't think that's universally held by Flames fans, and I don't know where the team is, but if they were to go 7-9 by nine or something like that and, and, and keep Lindholm in the fold, I think that's desirable to having to move him this summer. And what you definitely can't do is let him walk away for nothing, at least in, in my eyes, just because of how you could maximize that. So this is free, like unsolicited advice, but I wouldn't go one day beyond six years. Okay. Now, in with this one market, additional might year, that brings him to, to pass his 35th birthday. Yep. So yep. how like. You don't really want to go beyond that. And if it means paying like a slight premium in order to do so, like to go from 8.5 or 8.75 to 9, like I just think that makes sense. To keep it, to keep it, uh, to keep it to one keep year it to lower. Six, yeah. If you can. Well, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, there's a conversation in this market about, okay, well, what do you do with Toffoli? And I'm of the opinion that if you can if you can keep him at a four-ish year term and not go above four and maybe give him a bump on the AAV to keep that term down, kind of the same way I'm, I'm looking at it on Toffoli's front because guy over 30, that 35th birthday. Well, what what do you right? think his number is? If if and I don't know, um, but I, if if you could get him at four times five or four times five and a half or something like that, I I I think that's desirable than having to go five or six years, but to keep the number a little bit lower. Yeah, I mean, I'd be shooting for something in the like three times six range. Or even yeah, there you go. That's that's uh, that would be the next step that that I think would be logical if you're taking another year off to to get the bump years wise. So. I get why everyone wants to sign more term to push the AAV down. I'd rather pay a premium to get out quicker. That's just how I view it. Yep. And I mean, sometimes, sometimes you, you, for cap reasons, I guess, don't feel like you have a choice. But if you kind of look at it like, like a car loan, if you're thinking about it in this way, like I'd rather pay you know, provided that you have the coin to do so, I'd rather pay, you know, as little of an interest rate as possible for a more painful term, like 36 months, as opposed to stretching it out to 84 at a, at a higher rate. Yep. Yep. Where the monthly payments lower and it feels pretty good on your bank account, but in the end, you're really only bleeping yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. We're uh, we're in conversation with Frank Saravalli. He's our daily face-off NHL insider. Joins us Tuesdays on Flames Talk. That's the big news in Calgary. A couple of other things to hit, uh, and I guess one of them somewhat related to Calgary, uh, but from around the league. What are you hearing on Brad Chiliving and the former GM of the Flames? What's the latest there? Buzz that he's getting and potential open jobs, so on, so on and so forth. I mean, nothing right now. Um, I don't have any sense that the Toronto Maple Leafs have formally started their search. Okay. Um, I'd imagine his name will be included. I don't have any indication that there's anything been set up yet. And as you've mentioned on your show, the the Flames have now sort of uh, stepped back and, and have agreed to not get in his way of any future potential opportunity. And... I'd expect him to be a top, top candidate for the job. Okay. What, uh, and what about Kyle Dubas? Is he in the mix for Pittsburgh? What are we thinking when it comes to the former GM of the Maple Leafs? 
That one's tougher. I think it it all kind of comes down to is Kyle Dubas interested? Because I think the truth is, if he is, it's his job. And that's a really crummy position for all the guys that, you know, the three, four guys that have come down to the wire here and all of a sudden met an abrupt pause to the process once that news broke on Friday that I think Penguins ownership in Fenway Sports Group had an itch that they needed to scratch to find out one way or the other, is this guy available to us? And if no, that's fine, but we'd at least like to know the answer before we proceed and hire the person or, you know, people that we've been interviewing for these positions. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that they were scheduled the Fenway sports group and Kyle Dubas to speak midweek. So potentially Wednesday. Um, I, you know, where it goes from there, I, is it a courtesy for Kyle Dubas to take to, to listen to them? Is he genuinely interested? Everything that I could gather to this point is that he's not, that this was a, um, you know, a job that was sort of further down on the list, given that the best days of the Penguins are behind them for the next, you know, foreseeable future yep. as a non-playoff team particularly. But I don't, you know, I don't know how, if any, the calculus has changed since he was sort of so publicly slapped by the Leafs on the way out. And I guess last one for you is just your thoughts on just that, how that all went down and how the Kyle Dubas exit from the Maple Leafs ended up coming to pass in what seemed like a, a situation where there was a decent chance he could be back. If you want to be the king, you got to beat the king. And Kyle Dubas lost. He essentially made a power play saying, I, I'm looking for more art autonomy and, you know, clearance in, in the decision-making space for the Toronto Maple Leafs in, in hockey operations. He hadn't had full autonomy. That rested within the hands, including veto power of Brendan Shanahan. And so you see the way that he went about it, you see the increased financial ask, you see the play against Brendan Shanahan's wishes to speak publicly and then, you know, sort of bring his family into the mix. Um, I believe there was also a desire on Kyle Dubas's part to keep Sheldon Keefe as head coach. And then you roll all of that up into one sort of ball and it's, you end up with a the president of hockey operations in Brendan Shanahan, a team president overall that is one of the most accomplished players in the, in the game's history, uh, basically left to defend his turf. Yep. And that's, that's what happens. The alpha dog marked his territory. Yep. And was... I think Kyle Dubas knew going in that if that was the hand he chose to play, that there was a chance that it wouldn't work a real chance. And I think also at the end of the day, he was, he was comfortable in, in knowing that because that's how he wanted to, you know, have his work situation unfold after this. Mm -hmm. You arrive at different inflection points, whether it's your contract ending or whatever it is, as any sort of um, person that works on a contract does, and you have choices to make. And, and he made a pretty bold one, and it didn't work out. 
Great stuff, as always, Frank. Appreciate the time today, my friend. We'll do it again next week. Uh, enjoy the rest of the Eastern Conference Final. Enjoy the rest of the Western Conference Final. We'll see if they're both done when we talk next week. And uh, looking forward to it, my friend. Maybe we'll have we'll more Flames. We'll see what I can dig up on the coaching search. Exactly. We'll uh, we'll dive into that next week. Thanks, Frankie. Have a good one. That is Frank Saravalli. He is our daily face-off NHL insider. He joins us Tuesdays on Flames Talk. And on this Tuesday, a pretty important day for the Calgary Flames. Look, I mean, one of the most significant days in franchise history. And part of that is because of who the guy is that got the GM's job and Craig Conroy and how beloved he is in this city. And part of it is that when you've only ever had seven other full-time general managers it's pretty significant day when you hire the eighth. And, you know, I guess there are ten technically if you count Don Maloney and if you count Brian Burke, but they were both in president of hockey operation roles, taking the GM's job temporarily and on an interim basis, full-time GMs. This is just the eighth in franchise history. So, yeah, team's been in the city since 1980 it's 2023. That's a pretty significant day that uh, the Flames just had today. Craig Conroy, the eighth general manager in franchise history. Thanks to Frank Saravalli for all the insight and all the info. He joins us Tuesdays, and he's always brought to you by our friends at South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Flames Talk is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary. This hour continues from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge here at the Dome. So what jumped out during Craig Conroy's introductory news conference on Tuesday? And there were a few things. In fact, three things that jumped out. There was a lot that jumped out, but three things that kind of jumped out first and foremost or chiefly for me uh, from the news conference on Tuesday. And let's start with Jerome Aginla. He was not introduced as part of the Hockey Ops staff today, and that's because he wasn't going to be a full-time Hockey Ops member at any point this season. So was not introduced on Tuesday, but I think he will be announced as officially being back in the Flames organization sometime in the very near future. I really do believe that. Whether it's later this week, whether it's next week, it's, it's, it's going to be in the very near future, I believe, that we find out that Jerome Aginla is coming back to the Flames, officially joining the organization, probably as an advisor of some sort to Craig and, and, and to the GM. And, and Conroy was asked about that early on in the news conference on Tuesday. Jerome and I have always talked about it. I'll be totally honest. We've always uh, expressed, you know, expressed an interest of working together. I know right now he's, a, you know, he's coaching Rink Colony, he has his son Joe, but, you know, this is definitely something I want to explore moving forward, but haven't done it right yet. So nothing to announce on May 23rd. Will there be something to announce on May 26th or May 29th? Or so? I, I, I guess what I think we can be pretty sure of at this point 
is that Jerome's coming, and they're going to figure this out. And even listening to Conroy right there, yeah, it's something they want to explore. And, and this is something that I think is a package deal. I don't think Jerome was coming unless Craig Conroy was going to be the general manager. I think that played into part of why the the Flames decided to go with Craig. I, I think he was the right guy regardless, but – that's a that's a pretty nice little extra piece of sway that a guy like Craig's got. I think that held influence for Murray Edwards and, and the Flames organization. And and I think it was smart. Like I, I think they're probably already because this has been I think they were ready to make an announcement or were pretty close to make an announcement on Friday of last week. I think that they've known that they're going to go with Conroy for a little while now. Some point in that last week, I think that they had determined that they're going to go with Conroy, but there was other things to figure out. What did the rest of the staff look like? What were titles going to look like? Contracts? Those types of things. So that all had to get ironed out, and so they used the long weekend to make sure that they put the uh, finishing touches on and, and crossed T's and dotted I's, so on and so forth. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they've already got a pretty good idea of what it's going to look like with Jerome, but I think it made a lot of sense not to announce it at Craig's introductory news conference for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think it would be a distraction. Second of all, I think we're talking about you're, you're hiring a general manager. You're hiring a guy in the most important hockey operations position that an organization can have, and you want that general manager to have center stage to be able to deliver his first introductory message to an entire group of fans. And that's so if you've got this super popular all time player like Jerome McGinley with a coronation coming back to the organization, you do that on the same day, I think it, it distracts from Craig's moment, but I don't think Craig would care about that. I, I, I think more so organizationally, it detracts from hearing the message from the guy who's running the hockey ops department, who is Craig Conroy. So, and there's also something to be said about keeping a positive news cycle going for a little bit longer. So if you, uh, in, I mean, and, and this positive news cycle has been going on now throughout the weekend, uh, all through the long weekend on Monday's flames talk. That's all we were talking about on Tuesday's flames talk. That's all we're going to be talking about. It'll be the bulk of what we're talking about for the rest of the week. And then at some point next week, you introduce Jerome again, and we, he's starting to do media hits after he joins the organization. Well, that's going to keep, a positive news cycle going for a little bit as well. So I think there's that byproduct to it too. The next thing that really resonated for me was when Craig was asked about the core of this team and what he thought about this core and, and different ways that, um, you know, you could construct a team going forward and, and could this core be successful and just listen. And this is, this is the one that for instance, on social media, on Twitter, when I, when I tweeted this uh, quote out, this is the one that got the most response. And I think this is the one that has resonated most with flames fans from the new general manager. Well, I think we're going to change the core a little bit. Not the core pieces, but I think we're going to add some youth in the lineup. You know, like Don said, my big thing has been drafting, watching players, you know, and what I've watched and learned is you need young players in the team. You need that excitement. You need that, 
you know, what they bring day in and day out. And it's nothing against the older players, but when you watch the league, you see what these kids are doing at 15, 16, 17 years old. I can't even imagine doing that. And so, you know, you have to bring that into your team. You have to give them a chance. You have to give them an opportunity. And it might not be seamless all the time. And it's easier to play veteran players, but we need to kind of move forward. And, and we're, we have a salary cap, you know, and young players definitely help the salary cap. So we're, we're going to look at all that. So that was a very, very um, important thing to hear from the general manager. That resonated with a lot of people. That youth infusion and something that has been very much clamored for by this by this group of fans for a long time. Uh, why aren't they giving younger players more of an opportunity? Why did Matthew Phillips only get two games? Why did Jacob Pelche sit as long as he sat for so on and so forth? Um, that I thought was really important. How do you go about doing that? Well, I thought Conroy expanded on it a little bit as the news conference went along when he talked about not signing a lot of veteran players right before training camp and not having a lot of spots spoken for and all that type of stuff. So I think that's really important in giving young players an opportunity when spots actually open, whether it's Pelche or or Walker Dewar or Connor Zary or Matt Phillips or Matt Coronado. And then here's the final one. This was uh this was Craig on the head coach and what that might look like when they make that hire. We need to work together. We need to be a team. We're not head coach and management. We're, we're a team. We're in this together. We're not going to be at odds. We're not going to be lockstep all the time either, but we're going to have the same vision and passion for this team and kind of the direction that it's going to go and we're going to work together you know that's the first thing and then I want someone that is a leader that brings because I think as a coach you always want someone to have that passion and the, be a visionary you know and bring that to the team and if we could do that you know it doesn't have to be a experienced head coach we're in the NHL it can be someone with maybe limited experience in, in as a head coach at all you know, we're going to kind of make that decision and go through the process. But, yeah, you want a guy that can communicate to the players. Obviously, you know, today's day and age, we used to just the coach would tell us what to do, and we did it. You know, now they want to know, well, why? So you got to, he's got to be able to communicate. He's got to be able to make this environment a fun place to be. You know, and that's what I said. I always came for 17 years. I always had fun coming to the rink. So we want to make sure. I would look at the bench sometimes and think, are the guys having fun? Maybe, maybe not. I couldn't tell. But I want them to be happy coming to the rink because when you're work happy, working hard, hey, you're not always going to win games. But you know what? You're going to put your best foot forward day in and day out, and if they compete the way they should, you know, we're going to win more games than, than not. Can you tell Conroy's doing the pounding the table thing. That's the thing that I do. It's like uh, you can hear it. He's pounding the table as he's going along. Uh, the, the number one takeaway there is – you, you can't have what happened this past season happen again. And when, when it came to what happened with, with the coach and how it all came to an end, that, that can't happen again. And that's going to be you know collaborative and in lockstep. And it's not always going to be eye-to-eye on everything. But 
you know, they've got some really, really good internal candidates that Craig's got a lot of familiarity with, and there's some interesting external names that have been thrown out there as well. And uh, that, that was the third thing that popped out to me. So those are the three things. Talking about what's important in the next head coach, talking about getting those opportunities for young players, and that uh, Jerome Ginla angle as well. All three of those things, the, the three things that I thought jumped out the most to me in Craig's introductory news conference. As we start to wrap up this hour of Flames Talk, it's Steinberg along with you. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com.